You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. All right, we're continuing on our series entitled Looking Forward. Everybody say Looking Forward. And um, we're at that place of looking forward where we can hardly look back. I can't uh, take the time this morning to go back and review. Next week, I will finish up this series. And uh, actually, next week, what I'll be sharing with you is about heaven. Anybody looking forward to heaven? And some super important things as we look forward. I'm looking forward to heaven. Hopefully not this week. Still some things, you know, I, I got a grandbaby coming. You know, I got some things like that. And... Uh, people say, when is the right time? Whenever it is, is the right, is, is the right time. But we need to be leaning forward into this, not just wanting to get out of here so quickly, uh, because of one of the things that I want to share with you this morning as we go along. Now in John chapter 10, verse 10 in the amplified Bible, Jesus said, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus came That they may have and enjoy. Notice that. Have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I want to come back and emphasize something again to you. Notice he said, I came that they may have and enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. Enjoy. They may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And I want you to... um, Well, let me put it this way. I am very concerned about a number of things going on in the world, but not so much the things in the world, but the way the people of God would respond to the things that are going on in the world. And what I'm seeing in a whole lot of believers who have the goods to not have to handle things this way, they're just simply not enjoying life. And Jesus came. I didn't make this up. This is not out of some magazine. I didn't copy this off of lyrics out of some song or something. Jesus said, I came that you may have and enjoy. Have and say enjoy again. They may have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. Now, certainly when you are born again, you receive eternal life and you have the life of God in you. And thank God for eternal life. But also realize that while we're still here, God wants to give you abundant life. And it's a life that you can have and a life that you can enjoy. Now, what we want to do is we want to refute that. We want to push back on that. We want to in some way exempt ourselves because we're living in a crazy world full of crazy events and crazy people. How many of you have seen at least one of the three? All right. And um, we see all of that going on. So we said, how can we enjoy you know, life with all these things going on. And and that's kind of what I want to direct you toward this morning. Yes, we live in a crazy world with crazy events and crazy people, but we have supplements from heaven, supplements from heaven. Now, a supplement by definition is something added to complete something, something to supply a deficiency. And we have some things that I guess you could say are shipped into us from heaven that are not grown locally. You can't find these things naturally in the earth. They're supernatural things that you should embrace and be, be grateful for every day. Anybody here thankful for the grace of God? None of us can fully explain it. 
It carries us. It covers us. It strengthens us from the inside out and helps us to get through things and navigate through things that you just can't get through. But the grace of God carries us through. Do you know what that is? That's a supplement from heaven to help you to have and enjoy life to the full until it overflows. What about peace? Anybody grateful for peace? Another supplement that comes. It passes our understanding. It guards our hearts. It guards our minds. It helps us from just going nuts. It guides us and keeps us steady during things. And it's a peace that actually guards and enriches us again from the inside out because of the things that are going on there. And you've got joy and so many other things that are supplements from heaven. And so we do have the goods. See, there are people, I understand why people without God are also, as Ephesians says, without hope in the world. Because they don't have that access, they don't have that connection through covenant to have these, these supplements that would come in our lives. But I want, I want you believers to listen to me this morning. You are to be enjoying life more than you're enjoying life. Amen. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Now. Plus, Second Peter talks about the fact that he's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. We have what it takes. He has given us what it takes with eternal life, with abundant life, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the promises of, of God, with the word of God that lights our path. We have what it takes. Plus, Jesus himself, Jesus said, I came so that this could happen. And so I say, sign me up for abundant life. Amen. Now your life is worthy of joy. Your life is worthy of joy. Go ahead and say my life is worthy of joy. Now, I want you to listen to this next quote, and I actually posted it early this morning. So some of you can check this out a little bit later if you haven't seen it, but I'm going, to, I'm going to state this. Put it down. Take it down. Take it down. Take it down. Get it out of here. Let's close in prayer. I'll call for it in just a moment here. If satisfaction is missing from your life, you must view this. You must see this as a crisis. Now, would you please put up that verse there for me? Or this quote. If satisfaction is missing from your life, you must see this as a crisis. You've got a view that something is really wrong if satisfaction is not in your life. Are you hearing me? So if satisfaction is missing from your life, based on what I'm sharing with you, if satisfaction is missing from your life, you'd better see that as a crisis, which should move you in ways. It should cause you to summon the courage and to spring into action, so to speak, to resolve some things and to change some things. Listen to me, believers, child, children of God, that Jesus paid a dear price so this could happen. If, if satisfaction is missing from your life, that's a crisis. Don't just live that way. Some of you have lived that way. You're probably thinking, oh, I've lived that way for 21 years now. Snap out of it. Because we, we've got to move on this because of something. And, and we'll develop this as we go. But you don't need to just live that way. You need to look at this. And that is a crisis, actually, because of what Jesus said he came to do. 
And part of that would include that your life is worthy of joy. And if satisfaction is missing from your life, you better spring into action and do something about it. Amen. Amen. Now, by satisfaction, I am not even suggesting a life with no problems. Because we have the problems. This is not an exterior thing. This is not an external thing. Satisfaction is an internal thing. And satisfaction can come when there's some substantial primary things that are established and settled on the inside of you. Then no matter what's going on in the outside of you, you can still have some satisfaction that's coming from the inside. You still here? Now, discovering your purpose is foundational to finding satisfaction in your life. And so that's where I want to kind of head this morning is purpose. Everyone say purpose. Now, if you don't find your purpose, you're never going to find satisfaction. So we're going to have to go in pursuit now and we're looking forward into finding our purpose. This is not an age specific message at all. It does not matter how old or young you are because you're going to see in a moment. It is an ongoing thing to discover purpose for your life. Um, Discovering purpose, though, is foundational to finding satisfaction in your life. As you discover purpose, you're going to find out who you are. You're going to find out who you are not. And you're going to find out what you were created to be and to do. A lot of people are missing out on purpose because they don't know who they are. A lot of people are missing out on purpose because they're trying to be someone that they are not. That's the danger of our culture and our media today trying to suck you in to be a certain way, to act a certain way, to grab you by your gender, to grab you by your race, to grab you by your age, to grab you by any of those things and say, this is the way you're supposed to be. And you need to shake that off. You need to reject that. And you need to go after God and find out who you are and find out who you are not and find out what you are created to be and to do. Because without discovering purpose, you're never going to have actual satisfaction in your life. Once you do discover your purpose, then it becomes the drive. It becomes the catalyst for your life. It determines your actions and your values and what you pursue. It comes all out of your purpose. And understand this too, it's important enough to search for. I said it's important enough to search for. You know, if, if leaving the house this morning, if you couldn't find some things, some things probably wouldn't matter. Ah, don't worry about it. We'll get back. We'll find it. But there's some things that you couldn't leave without. Like for me, I wouldn't be able to leave without my glasses or my keys. How many of you have ever lost something like your glasses, your keys or something? There now. Okay, good. You're just remembering. Yes. How many of you have lost your mind? Okay. Good. They're mostly over here. So, okay. A couple strays. All right. Good. All right. Well, what happens though, it's worth searching for. Sometimes you're getting ready to leave and you can't find something of trivial value of no real importance to what you're about to do. Then you go, well, we'll let that go. But there's some things they're, they're too necessary. And so it's worth the search. So you take the time, you put out the energy, you recruit the help of others. You turn the house upside down and then there it is right under your nose. And so it is with purpose. 
That we're looking all over the place for purpose. And I want you to know something. God has not put it far off. He's not tried to hide it from you. He's very close to you. And he has a pattern, though, for you to come and to find out what that purpose is. uh, Ultimately, so that you can be a part of him fulfilling his purpose. But part of you knowing that you're helping to do that. And you're plugged in in the right way. You're in the right lane that you're supposed to be. One of the marks of that is you're going to have inside, you're going to have some satisfaction. And that's something very, very important. It's worth the search. Amen. Now, purpose, everybody say purpose again. Purpose deals with your future. Not so much with the past. It deals with your future. We've used this quote throughout this series here. Our loyalty to the future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. Would you put that up for me? Our loyalty, read it with me. Our loyalty to the future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. And so purpose has to do with future. Folks, you'd better get loyal. You'd better get determined. And I don't care how old you are, how young you are, who you are, whatever background that you may have or whatever it would be, you need to find the purpose of God. It's worth the search, worth the search. And we're going to help you with that search a little bit today. There are too many people, though, just as loyalty has to do with the future, there are too many people that are living in the past. And I call that stuck in a season. And when you get stuck in a season and when you're living in the past, it is possible that you will miss your purpose. And then you'll be living trying to find a previous level of satisfaction somewhere in the past. And I've got to tell you something that's gone. That's gone. And what we have to look for and be loyal to is our future. There are a lot of reasons why a person would be living in the past. I want to share three with you real quick that I think are dangerous and need to be overcome. First one is this, seeking to get even with those who hurt you. Some people are living in the past because they're seeking somehow, consciously, unconsciously, seeking somehow, I've got to even the score. Somehow I've got to get even with those who have hurt me. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. It is easier and it is cheaper to just leave it, just to dump it, rather than to ship it or haul it. It's just easier, cheaper, just leave it behind rather than worrying about all the shipping cost and the toll it takes on you to carry such toxic stuff through your life. Forgiveness actually means this. You owe me nothing. Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. No, but I know what Jesus did for you. And because of what he did for you and forgave you, he said, just as you've been freely forgiven, you must also freely forgive. We can't really keep a scoreboard. We can't keep a tally on all of this. Because if you do, you're going to get so, so stuck. And you're going to get run over as you're standing there stuck. You've got to let it go. you just got to, in the name of Jesus and by faith that he'll help you, you just got to let some people go. Or you're going to miss your purpose. And you're going to end up missing out on so much more that he has as you live in the past. Another reason why people would be living in the past is they have a nostalgic view of the past. Now, I'm pretty nostalgic. And there's a certain level of that that I think is healthy. Because then we've seen from Scripture that a wise householder actually brings out treasures of things new 
and things old. And he brings those together. And so much of what has happened, the nostalgia, uh, as we think back on the good old days, so to speak, in our lives, some of that is very healthy and brings a sense of peace. And it's part of what formed and defined you. You know, there's some things that will never be again. You know, they just don't make shows like Leave It to Beaver anymore. You know, and my brother and I used to go and steal, I mean, collect pop bottles. And and we could cash those in at the little store. And we could get a bag full of stuff for not much, you know. Just enough candy to totally make you sick. You know, and good stuff. And, and you know, those days are kind of gone. And, and sometimes you hear some people and it's back in the good old days, back in the good old days. And, and with all due respect, can I tell you something? My good old days are still ahead of me. And you need to have your good old days still ahead of you. God's plans take you from glory to glory, glory to glory. Now, it will never be as simple as it has been. You know, there's so many advances of things. Things aren't going to slow down. You need to know that, which makes the value of this message all the greater for you today as we're going to get into some things here in just a second here. But just thinking about technology, my son Josh has one of those iPads and it's thin and it's small. You can't store all that information in there. And if you know anything about these, it's just an amazing, amazing gadget and useful too. not just a gadget, but useful think I want one. But, um, <laughs> but as you look at that, I'm thinking back, if you showed that to my grandmother, I, my grandmother Gilligan was very devout Christian. And if you were to show, and she's gone on to heaven, but if she were here today and I could show her that, she would say, that's a demon. <laughs> she'd look at how small it is and she'd go, where's all that coming from? He's coming through the air. See, I told you it's a demon, you know? <laughs> And technology is not going to slow down. Things aren't going to go back to that. So if there's going to be peace, if there's going to be simplicity, if there's going to be any of that, you're going to have to get it in another way. But we cannot just have a nostalgic view of the past that we refuse to budge and to go on. Because in doing so, you're going to live in the past. You're going to miss out on the purpose that God has for you for these days. Howard Hendricks, Christian thinker and writer, said this, when your memories are more exciting than your dreams, you've begun to die. So everybody start dreaming. Start dreaming. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, start dreaming. And the third way that people might would still be living in the past is they consider themselves damaged. They consider themselves a victim. They consider themselves a failure. Somehow life has dealt them a crummy hand. And so they feel like, you know, I can't progress into the future. I can't progress into my purpose because of what's happened to me. And they end up missing out on the purpose and the future. Alicia shared with me a quote she used in the last Heart of a Woman meeting uh, by Maya Angelou. And she says, whining is not only graceless, but can be dangerous. It can alert a bully that a victim is in the neighborhood. And so it's important that we're not whining about the hand we've been dealt, so to speak. You think about Joseph, not not Jesus' earthly father, but Joseph in the Old Testament. And the hand that was dealt to him 
where his brothers were jealous of him as the favored son and sold him off, threatened to kill him, threatened to leave him. And then they said, no, we'll do it this way and threw him in a pit and sold him to some traveling Bedouins. And he went from there to another situation, probably sold several times as, as historically what would have happened, ended up then in a good place only to be thrown in prison. And finally, ultimately to be the number two guy actually in charge of everything in the palace and for the kingdom. And from Joseph, we get what has been called the 50-20 principle. The 50-20 principle. It comes from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And I want to read it to you in the New Living Translation. He said to his brothers who had sold him off and started the whole chain of events. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Joseph ultimately said this, I'm still alive and I want to live and I have my purpose. And we've got to be that way. He could have said, do you know what happened to me and who all did this and this happened? And then just when this was ready, then that fell apart. And we could just go through that whole thing. But don't forget that whining alerts a bully that a victim's in the neighborhood. And instead, there's a resiliency and you have resiliency in you. It's part of having eternal life and abundant life in you. And we need to reject the rejection of the world and reject the rejection of life. The things that have happened, the blows that have come to you. You need to reject it and say, that is not who I am. And that is not what I was created for. And I'm headed somewhere and I do have purpose. I'm still alive and I want to live and I have purpose. In some of my reading this week, I found this. Some of the world's greatest men and women have been saddled with disabilities and painful adversities, yet they did not give in. Cripple him and you have Sir Walter Scott, novelist and poet. Lock him in a prison cell and you have John Bunyan, writer and preacher. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge and you have a George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty and you have an Abraham Lincoln. Subject him to bitter religious prejudice and you have a Benjamin Disraeli who's a novelist and debater, the first and only Jewish prime minister of England. Strike him down with infantile paralysis and he becomes a Franklin D. Roosevelt. These people had resiliency and I'm going to tell you something. You have resiliency. And nobody said that you come into life and everybody would just patty cake with you and cheer you on. I tell you what, there's a devil out there and he hates your guts and he wants to confuse your path and knock the bridge out ahead of you. But you have the life of God in you. You have resiliency on the inside of you. And let me tell you something else. You have purpose and you better keep pressing on to that purpose. And your purpose has to do with your future, not your past. Amen. All right, I got to scoot along here. Three words I want to share with you to find your purpose and to find satisfaction. Number one, retreat. Everybody say retreat. Another way to put it, if you're watching the basketball finals, timeout. Okay, full timeout. You step back, you withdraw, you find solitude, you review, you reflect, you have some introspection. Because life is noisy, life is busy, life is crowded. It's crowded by people and things and events. We have sensory overload in the world that we're in. And what we've got to do is, help me out, we've got to retreat. Jesus in Mark chapter 6 verse 30. 
He said the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. First of all, let me make a point that boats are of God. They're in scripture. Okay. Not on Sunday morning, but the rest of the time have at it. Okay. Now. Jesus made this statement, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Four things he said there that I want to touch on real quick. First of all, he said, come bless you. He said, come with me. He said, come with me. So first of all, you need to come away. You need to retreat with Jesus. Purpose cannot be discovered apart from the one who created you and knows your purpose. This is not just a retreat from life. This is not just to pull back. This is to retreat with Jesus because that's the only one who can fill you in on your purpose. Second of all, he said, come with me by yourselves, by yourselves. That means you're going to have to leave some people and some things behind for this. Solitude, one of my my favorite quotes, solitude is full of God. Solitude is full of God. I posted this this week. Solitude with God is to you what water is to flowers. It's a key discipline. You're going to dry up without this. You're going to have to have some solitude. One of the greatest spiritual disciplines that you need to tackle and conquer and develop in your life is solitude. That you can actually be by yourself with the Lord without all the trappings and everything else and just get into that wonderful place. And let me remind you again, solitude is full of God. And so Jesus said, come with me by yourselves. Notice again to a quiet place, a quiet place. You've got to block out all the noise and all the artificial noise so that you can hear the whisper of God. And you say, I don't have a quiet place. Listen to me. Sometimes a place is only quiet when it's early. Do you hear that? Sometimes a place is only quiet when it's early. Can I tell you about my house? It's a happy house. It's a noisy house. And so the best way for me, plus I believe it's scriptural to seek him first and to seek him early. I get up very early because I have found that is the most quiet my house ever is. And we've got a lot of life and a lot of joy and a lot of music and a lot of people and a lot of good things going on in my house. And I love it and I wouldn't change a bit of that. And then we not only have what we're doing, there's always extras there. I mean, always extras. I mean, we can't just roam around our house in our pajamas or less, okay? Yeah, because there's, there's always, always extras there. But I love that our home is that kind of place. But I, sometimes I've got to have a quiet place. A quiet place and that quiet, uh, sometimes a place is only quiet when it's early. And so you can always find a quiet place. And then he said this, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Finally, get some rest. This word rest has to do with inner rest is to be at peace, to get refreshed. And he's causing them to be rebalanced because it said there's so many people coming and going. and They were doing so many things that they didn't even have time to eat. And let me tell you something, when you don't take care of all things natural, you're going to get messed up emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. Oh, no, I'm just going to pray through. Try that when you're sleepy and hungry. Try that then when you're sleepy and hungry and then you start to get irritable. I mean, you know, that's the natural progression. 
That's why I'm getting crabbier by the minute. <laughs> no, no, I'm looking forward. Um, but you've got to be careful because when you get off in your patterns of sleep and eating properly and exercising, taking good care of this temple, this is your vehicle, folks. This is your vehicle. And if you're not doing a good service for this, then you're going to get tired emotionally and mentally and even spiritually. You're not going to be able to fulfill all that needs to be happening. So it's important, first of all, that we retreat. Everybody say retreat. Second thing is this. You retreat. So that you can resolve, resolve. Everybody say resolve. This is where you make decisions and you determine direction. It's purposeful. It's intentional. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, it says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. That was the retreat portion. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12 whom he also named Apostles. Now pay attention to this. This is the formation of the 12 apostles. There were many disciples. Notice that it said that. There were many disciples. And what he did, he said, I've got to choose carefully. I've got to choose carefully who I appoint and anoint as special messengers of the kingdom of God. I've got to do this carefully. And I'm glad he was careful about it. Because he was careful and prayerful about it, he retreated alone with God. He was able then to make the right decisions. The next verses go on and name who those guys were. And they were, they were appointed by God, anointed by God. I'm glad that's the ones he chose because as a result of that, we today are born again. We today are in the kingdom of God. We today are still hearing the word of God because he chose the right guys right then. He didn't choose who was ever the best looking or some political reason or this or that, or I'm friends with his cousin or, or whatever it would be. He chose, he chose the right way and he went about it the right way. First of all, retreating and then resolving. And you, you have some things in your life that I'm going to call this. How many of you have a this in your life? And this is your question. You go away to retreat. And by retreat, I'm not saying you got to take two weeks, three weeks, whatever. We're talking about you watch Jesus. He would do it at night. He would do it in the morning. He'd pull away in the afternoon. You're going to have to have a regular pattern of retreating to God. And what he did, he was trying to get strength and get refreshed. He was also trying to get resolve. What do I do about this? And guess what? All of you have a this. And your question is, what am I going to do about this? Because something needs to be done about this. Something has to change about this. And you've got to get alone. You've got to retreat so you can get the right answers on this. That this must stop. This must change. This must start. This must increase. This must never happen again. This must happen every time. And you've got to keep doing this so that you get the resolve so that you have the right answers. Now, let me tell you. You probably won't be able to see or know the whole plan. I don't think God will give you the whole plan in all the steps. You probably won't see and know the whole plan. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you on that. But you will be able to see and know what the next step is. 
And this is all by design because if God wrote it all down for you and gave you, here's the whole plan and here's all the whole steps. Do you know what human nature would drive you to do? You'd just go do it yourself and you'd sort out, well, that's not important. We'll tear that out. And we would be doing some other kind of plan and we would never go back to God. And God wants you to keep coming back to him. He wants to be God in your life. And so that's why we've got to continually have this pattern. And then lastly, having retreated and now resolved, thirdly, you need to respond. Everyone say respond, respond. That means I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. I now take action. I go do what I've decided to do. I get some traction on this road of life. And I love this. And I first heard it with Joyce Meyer. Sometimes you do things, you do it afraid. If you're waiting for all emotion to just be perfect, then you're probably never going to step out and do something. I remember times as an athlete, I remember times as a musician where you're on and you're afraid. Well, you can't say to the coach and to the fans, you can't say to the, to, you know, peek around the curtain and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm afraid. Could we try it again next week? You just have to do it afraid. And because you've been with Jesus, you've got resolve on these issues. You can now go do what you've decided to do and he will empower you to do it. And as you travel, I think you'll find yourself walking in your purpose. Many times purpose is discovered in a problem. Joseph found himself going through problems and he ended up discovering his purpose. Also, oftentimes vision. Everybody say vision. Vision begins and is birthed a lot of times out of a concern. Such was the case with Nehemiah. He was troubled. He was concerned that the walls of the holy city, Jerusalem, that those walls were burned and torn down. And it bothered him and continued to bother him. And it birthed vision and helped him to find and fulfill his purpose to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I heard on the news the other day on the, on the radio that there's an unprecedented number of women that have thrown their hat in the ring and have applied to run for public office all over this country because of their concern. And they're looking at things that what could be and what should be. And it is now stirring vision within them that I'm tired of seeing what I do see. I know what could be. I know what should be. And it's birthing vision and it's birthing purpose in people. I think that's an awesome thing that comes out of adversity. And so there may be something, there may be something that bugs you. And you can see what could be or should be. Or you see a need somewhere. You know what? That might be God showing you right under your nose. Here's your purpose. Here's what you need to do. I remember before we started this church, I was on staff at a church in, uh, down in Tampa. And I remember that I just, I could hardly sit still anymore because I've got to get this word out. I've got to get this. And I just knew that there was something that could be and something that should be. And I won't even go into the whole story, but I knew and I began to discover my purpose. But you know what? You've got to continue in this. Don't say, well, I know what my purpose is. And I know what I'm doing. You've got to keep retreating. You've got to keep getting to that place following retreat where there's resolve in your life and then you respond to it and you'll find yourself walking in your purpose. In this process, retreat, resolve and respond. You're going to find out some things from God and God's the only one who could fill you in on those things. And he will help you to find and fulfill your purpose, which will lead to, you ready for this? Satisfaction. 
And if your life is missing satisfaction, you better treat that like a crisis. And one of the foundational things to finding your satisfaction is to find your purpose so that you can help fulfill the purpose of God, but also that you can find out who you are, who you are not, and what you were created to be and to do. I'll close with this verse. Proverbs, wait, wait, wait. Proverbs 3, verse 5, 6. You're so kind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take.